When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Noby williams And this is the What to Make of NFL Plus sports business podcast, The Sportacles. You had a little grin on your face, like were you happy? Like were you? Th- what were you thinking about before you went into that intro? Like you, I've got it. I don't got it. <laughs> you I, had a grin on I did not know exactly where I was going, but I think I think I'm happy with that. We're gonna we're gonna stick with that. You think they're like plus is too simple these days. Everybody just plus what you it's know. So boring, Scott. It's so boring. <laughs> right. So you would think the NFL get a little little creative on this one. You know, it's like they've had some time to come up with the idea. NFL DTC, I don't know. NFL straight to you, NFL you, I, I don't know. Like you would be like, it was either going to be max or plus, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the way the industry goes. All right. Well, let, let me ask you a simple question Will you be a subscriber? Well, we should say first, it's a direct to consumer streaming product. Okay. There we go. <laughs> you know, everybody's got yes, one. But a, a very limited one. A right? very I mean, limited. I, All right. So you want, yeah. you want to get into it for Why don't we just say this? What's it got that? I would say that you care about you're you're an above average sports slash football fan. I wouldn't say you're the maniacal football fan. I wouldn't Definitely say not. you don't care at all and you don't, you know, you can't name anybody in the league. You are an above average football fan. You cheer for the Jacksonville Jag can I say Jaguars? You you cheer <laughs> for the Jaguars. Um what does this product have that interests you? So me personally, nothing. And you can say nothing because for me right now, yeah, yeah. there's not a lot. (laughs) It's going to say nothing. And I I wonder how how interesting this is for for the vast majority of NFL fans. Look, the thing is priced at $5 a month. So that gives you a sense right there about how valuable the NFL at least thinks it is right now. That's not a lot of money. Well, let's think about what it's replacing, though. I mean, in, in essence, the package of stuff that the NFL used to get and didn't have a bidder on this time was about $400 million a year, right? Yeah, for some it, was, it was a Verizon partnership. Right, it was Verizon. So about $400 million per year. So you'd have to think they didn't get that much for a collection of whatever was being shown there. Um, so they said, all right, let's prepare for what the future of media might look like because even the next time and the time after that, we know the NFL's philosophy is about scale. They want to maximize viewers. You know, they're not going anywhere. This is not going to be an MLS type situation where, oh my God, all of a sudden Apple's coming in and taking every single NFL game, right? There's going to be a significant linear TV component to the NFL for years to come. But you do have to prepare for a world in which maybe whether it's younger viewers or optionality or different game casts, 
where streaming plays a significant role in what you're doing. And, and let's break down what's in NFL Plus. Yeah, let's do it one the by one. Let's see. Three, let's see. The main three things you have: you have local and primetime games, regular season games that you can watch on your phone or your tablet. Those were, I believe, free on the NFL app last year, but were, as you mentioned prior to that, part of a, a very expensive Verizon Yahoo NFL partnership. Uh, so, if you've been a Verizon customer, uh, you, you've had that option to watch those for free for for years now. Uh, the other two kind of big things here, out-of-market preseason games, Scott, which you said I'm a maybe above-average NFL fan. I'm not I'm not watching preseason games. Uh, and then the third thing, live audio for all games, which I think for a subset of people might be interesting depending on how they consume their NFL content. But again, I think for a lot of fans, uh, audio is, a, is an insufficient way of keeping tabs on the games. Those are the main kind of three things from, from a game perspective that you get on NFL Plus. Again, I think there's a lot of confusion out there about what's in this and what isn't. But in terms of, of, of live game audio or video, that's essentially where NFL Plus nets out right now. All right. Now, give me there's a, as always, there's a premium component to NFL Plus. Now, if you want to, if you don't know what the all 22 is, then you don't care anyway. But give me the <laughs> offerings on the, and that's the premium, like nine bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. Yeah, I think it's something. It, it's up there. I'm actually not fully sure. I know there are, there are live game replays on the uh, on the premium, which Who I know that there about are. A there are a lot of NFL fans I think that do care about that. Either they can't watch the game originally, or you're as you said, they want to watch a different angle of it. They, I mean, there, there are fans. Well, I, I understand a different angle, but there. I don't understand the rewatching of a game. Of a game. I mean, isn't the whole premise of sport is that it's live, DVR proof? You know, you have to see it when it happens. The days of "Don't tell me, don't tell me," I'm I'm recording the game. I mean, come on, that that's long gone. You just click on your phone and you get the score. As a quick aside, Lev Akabas, our, our, our data viz expert, he often, for, for tennis events that are happening during the day, so that's like Wimbledon and the French Open, he's often trying to watch those on a, on a tape delay. Uh, so he's telling me sometimes, hey, don't spoil this for me. Don't spoil that for me. I'm trying to avoid social media as it's happening. There are people out there that, that do still. Lev's one of the youngest people on our staff, if not the youngest. There are definitely still people out there who are consuming sports in that way. But I agree with you. That's not a huge... To yeah. me, that's not a huge... Lev might as well be stuck on an island with a volleyball. Like, well, come on. Yeah. That's just not... That's just really... That's a small, small, demented segment of the population. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, so NFL Plus Premium, um, I, I don't have the pricing exactly. Yeah, you're right. It's $9.99 a month. Right. Um, that includes all of NFL Plus, as I mentioned. Full access to replays. Condensed game replays of all 22. That's essentially what the NFL Game Pass product was again right. there's not all that much in there that's going to make me jump to that either again i think there's a large part of the story as you mentioned is that the nfl previously had people willing to pay for this kind of thing and it doesn't seem like that exists right now so why not package it in a way that you can make it maybe a little bit of money depending on how many people subscribe to this and and, and dip your toe in the water here a little bit, uh, something Scott that, that Jacob Feldman, our colleague tweeted that I thought was interesting. It appears as though we're, we're very soon going to have six different streaming platforms that have access to, to, to live NFL games, ESPN plus NFL plus Paramount plus NFL Sunday ticket. If it, if it does, and it seems like it's, it's on its way heading to a streaming partner, uh, Peacock and then Amazon prime, of course. So 
the the as you said, a very different approach to what MLS did with Apple. But but the fragmentation of rights uh, has very much hit the NFL. There are six different streaming services that will have live games of some sort. Does this make sense to you, Mr. Novi Williams? If I if I make a comparison of NFL Plus being what Los Angeles used to be in the relocation world. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. So the stock, you, know you know what I mean? You know where I'm going. So for our listeners mm-hmm. who don't get it, you know, every time somebody wanted to, uh, or needed a new stadium and I air quote needed, uh, the owners of the team could say, well, you know, if the taxpayers don't want to help us out, you know, we might have to look elsewhere. And, you know, there's that number two media market out there that could really use the team. And all right. So that was sort of like the threat of what was out there, what we could do. And of course, now mm-hmm. there's two teams in LA. Um, so now, let's say the NFL is negotiating with possible broadcast partners over, you know, whatever rights for this, that, whether it's preseason, whether it's uh, non just, I mean, the fact that this is solely mobile, you know, tablet and mobile, are, are, I, I get. But if I could maybe get NFL Plus on my TV and give me some exclusivity, the league could always tell the broadcast partners if they don't get what they want, all right, you know what? We'll put it on Plus. We're building a direct-to-consumer relationship, and there are certainly a good number of football fans out there who will like this sort of content. And as we've seen with DC, D2C, one of the biggest benefits is the data you know, for, you know, what you're getting from your customer, what you know about them in a world where, again, live broadcast is just a piece of it. You've got e-com, you've got sports betting. You know, it's not just about the game broadcast anymore. And the opposite is also true, Scott. I think if if Sprint were to come to the NFL and say, we'll give you $600 million a year, we want to offer this exclusively to our mobile customers, I think the NFL could just take it off of NFL Plus, right? It, it, it gives the NFL a lot of options here. A question I have for you, Scott, we've talked on the show before about the NFL looking to interested in potentially selling a piece of its all of its owned media which includes NFL.com, NFL Network, uh, trying to find a strategic partner to invest alongside the NFL in that. How does the launch of NFL Plus and NFL Plus Premium, how does that change, maybe sweeten the pot? Does it change anything in terms of having those conversations with, I assume, groups like Apple and Amazon? Yeah, I don't think it changes a whole lot. I mean, the, the biggest thing we say here is that the NFL is in a very, very fortuitous position. It is... The Grand Poobah, it is the behemoth. It gets so much money. And by the way, you know, like new deals coming up, you know, (laughs) but it gets so much money from its national TV, straight up linear TV, that the NFL can take a much slower approach. It can see what happens with MLS and Apple. It can see what happens when the Big Ten has a new media deal. It can see what happens when the NBA negotiates its new deal. Let's see how fast the paradigm shifts, changes, what are viewer habits. And then it can say, all right, we always we will always have the big, big dollars from linear TV. Now, how much more do we want to put a toe in the water? Do we want to step on, you know, down into that first or second rung? Do we want to go off the diving board and hit the bottom? They are in a great position where they can sit back and watch and analyze and learn. And because it's the NFL. People want to be associated with that brand. So that's why these companies will come and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'd love to partner up. We'll take a piece of NFL Network. Let's see Let's see if we're business partners, what we can do together further down the line when we have a more mature market for streaming and sports and particularly the NFL. There's no rush here. This is, this is about living and learning and preparing for a new world order. 
I think that's right. And that's an easy transition, Scott, into our next topic. I don't want to make uh, that. Is, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to transition yet. Okay, I'm curious as to why, why did you pick up Sprint and not like Cricket? You know, where, where did that come from? T-Mobile? <laughs> I don't want like, where did Sprint come from? Like if Sprint wants to offer this exclusively, where did, I, I just think it's odd that you said Sprint. I was I was going to say Verizon, but Verizon's already Verizon's done it. Verizon's already so there, I went, yeah. Went to the next one down. I was thinking about the, the can you hear me now guy. And I was like, yeah, I'll go with Sprint. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you better be able to like one of the problems, of course, and why we haven't seen this mass migration has been problems with things like, no, I can't hear you. No, I can't see you. The buffering is terrible. There's a delay. I've got a bet on this game. And what the heck is happening? Right. We've seen that with we've seen that with boxing. We've seen it with UFC, uh, all of sort of the major, major events that even on the Super Bowl stream, it was a little bit slow. We've seen that it, it's just the tech just isn't there yet. And it has to be right. Scott, you ruined our chances at a, at a serious XM sponsorship uh, last week by saying that you wouldn't pay us <laughs> one penny for it. I think nope. we maybe now eliminated our chances at a, at a telecom partnership as well. No, 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 no. Just prove that it can work. That's all. You know, if, if you build a better mousetrap, that's what businesses are made of, right? Give, yeah. give me the person who figures out. I, I keep hearing all the 5G, 5G, right? Do you have any idea what, like, what does 5G really mean? faster from what i understand yes exactly right okay but if <laughs> do you know, yeah I mean, again and i'm going to go with total tangent here and you were going to pivot to the packers we can get back to it but i want to go then for a second let's just talk about steve Ballmer because you see they topped off like there was some topping off of the intuit dome i don't even know exactly mm -hmm. what it was but our friends at the clippers you know they reached a milestone and and i'm wondering because you and i and you spent a lot of time with Ballmer touring sort of the hole in the ground and what was going to happen and we've been out there multiple times now to see what's going on and talk to steve I am, again, I am of the mindset that when fans come to my game, I want them focused on my game. Now, I know this is this is going to set up conflict. It, it is a terrible situation versus I'm telling you what you want versus you're telling me what you need and want. I understand that. And you know, I get the whole customer is always right. But if I'm if I need what, 18, 19, 20,000, whatever it may be, let's just even go for a football stadium. Let's say I need 50, 60, 70, 80,000. I get, I do, I get it that they're probably interested in the other games that are going on, that they've got bets going on and they want to check their fantasy and they want to check their FanDuel and DraftKings account. I get it. But as I have told you in the past, nobody in sports, at least that I have seen, has been able to differentiate themselves. Vegas came closest. Vegas Golden Knights came close. They've got a lot of... Uh, praise and hullabaloo for their in-game presentation. And you know I like the subwoofers. I told you you can actually feel the noise in T-Mobile. Yeah. So so yeah. kudos to them, right? That they they've managed to crack a little bit. But I mean totally shift the paradigm, make it where the in arena, in stadium experience is so damn good that nobody will be on their phone. I want to see a soccer supporter section in an NBA arena. And if you've ever covered a world championship, and I have covered multiple world championships, flags, whistles, flares, it's insane. The atmosphere in those games is bonkers off the wall. You're having such a good time. Believe me, you are not going to check the out-of-town scoreboard. Maybe you'll wait till there's a, you know, a, a, I have to, I don't know. But I'm telling you, I'm still waiting, and I think this Intuit Dome and Balmer have an opportunity here 
to really change the game. Steve doesn't want hockey. He's not interested in anything else. He's interested in one thing, creating the premier basketball watching experience in the world. He's got the capital to do it. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to ring every last nickel out of the building. You know, he really wants it to be a preeminent, preeminent experience for basketball fans. And I am dying to see whether he he actually comes through with that. Remember we talked about with him and others about creating like a Duke student section at the pro level, standing room yeah. only, people jumping up and down. Those Dukies, they don't look at their phones. They're too busy watching the game. So anyway, I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but that that was two cents. You can you can continue or you can go to Packers, whatever you want. Yeah, it's interesting. I have two things to say on that. One, the, the Clippers and Balmer, as you, you've talked to him on this as well, they're thinking about this. They have a, a thing called the wall behind one of their... Uh, behind one of their baskets, which is a, a very steep section where they want to have this exact atmosphere. And, and it's it's built specifically to be kind of imposing looking and also imposing from a volume standpoint. The second thing I'll say on that, Scott, is that there's some ways in which technology, particularly technology available on your phone, is being used to to keep people in seats, right? Like, yeah, if you my phone to, to me. Phone, Bring my phone to me, right? So, so, so the person that you see on the on the sideline on on his or her phone might look like they're not engaged right now. They may be doing something that otherwise they would have had to get out of the seat to do in years past, right? So, so there, there's a lot of technological innovation happening that requires a phone, but also saves time, keeps people in seats longer, which is also a priority. Obviously, if you go to you can go to baseball games and sometimes spend two or three innings waiting on, on a line for a beer or a, or, or a hot dog or whatever food you want. Uh, they're trying to avoid those things as well. So in some ways, technology is making this exact easy the thing easier. And then you're right. In other ways, it is also probably detracting from the atmosphere in arenas as well. Did I tell you what I did Saturday, by the way? You did not. I did not. All right. So you tell me smart or moron? Because right, I'll tell you where... <laughs> It should be a standing well, segment, by the way. Yeah, yeah, smarter moron for Sashnik over the weekend. All right. So, uh, and by the way, I totally blew it. Apologies, big apologies to Paul and Michael Rabel. I totally, just totally whiffed that the PLL was in Fairfield, Connecticut this weekend. It's in mm-hmm. my calendar. It's on the phone. I just didn't look. I wanted to grab a bunch of Jackson's hockey teammates and and, and bring them up. I totally whiffed, guys. I, I meant to do it. I apologize. Going to make it up to you. All right. That said, so we had nothing to do. It was a, like a weekend with no sports. Baseball has ended. And we're like, wait a minute. Like, we didn't really realize it until Saturday morning that we had nothing to do. And, you know, that happens. And I was looking around. I'm like, all right, what, what could we possibly do? Um, so you look, first thing is you look for the, like, the local baseball teams. Do we want to go to a game, right? Uh, it turns out the Yankees were in Baltimore. Now, my wife, my son have never been to Camden Yards. Hmm. So, all right, interesting. And it turns out, oh, the Yankees are down there. You and I, uh, I'm not going to mention the name, but we have a, a longtime friend with, uh, with the Orioles. They were like, all right, maybe we'll go down and say hello. So what do I do? Text message. Long story short. At smart like, so far, by the way. Halfway through the story, so, I'm thinking smart. smart so far. Well, keep in mind, it's like 100 degrees, <laughs> right? I live yeah. in northern New Jersey. You know, two and not, a half hour drive for you? Uh, should be two, 245. Uh, right. All right. Long story short, we jump in the car. 345 later, we pull into Baltimore. We pull in, sweating, hot, whatever. Go to game. All right. It wasn't the most exciting game. Orioles came back. Orioles, Orioles win. Um, we did leave at the top of the ninth, I think, just to beat the traffic. There was some talk of a rainstorm. 
Um, said, I oh, got, got a good two innings in with the friend, which is good. Talk, <laughs> talk business of sports. Talk a little bit of everything going right. on. Nice. Drive back up. Pull into the driveway. 1.15 a.m. Oh, Thank you. Yeah, you see, you're like, ah, you, oh, this is smart. Like, all right, you know. Seven hours in the car, probably. Seven hours in the car. I drove both yeah. ways, you know, for, for a baseball game. And by the way, the Phillies and Cubs were playing, which was like an hour and 20 minutes away in Philadelphia. Could have done that. But I don't know. He got to say he was there. He was telling his friends about it. He had some fun. But still, okay. seven hours in the car for a game. So you tell me, I smart or more. I'm not sure if I love Camden Yards seven hours much, but. <laughs> right. Well, I knew what I was getting into. I knew what I was getting into. And I, and I don't, I don't want to kill. I'm not going to kill teams in it. But I got to say, one of the important things to me is, you know, food and Bev. Hmm. Right. Yep. Didn't love the offerings. Got to say. Did not wow. love. Yeah. Had my heart set on Boog's Barbecue. Got there. I was like, yeah, I don't think so. Didn't do that. Couldn't find. Amazingly, couldn't find a crab cake easily. Hot dogs, what? yes, chicken tenders, could not easily find a crab cake from when I walked in, which mm. was like I could not believe because that's all you know. Kim said she wanted. Yeah, paging John <laughs> Angelos. Let's fix that. Yeah, yeah let's get some crab. <laughs> As I'm walking, there should be a crab stand everywhere, every every two minutes. Anyway, so I'll let you at the end save it. Uh, smarter moron, you, you let me know. <laughs> my lower back and uh, my hydration said moron, but. Smile on a kid's face the next morning, slept late, said smart. So you, you balance that stuff out. Tell me about the Packers. I mean, that was 10 minutes ago, but go ahead. They, <laughs> they announced their financials. Go ahead. Announced their financials, which they do every year. Always a good little glimpse into both the financial health of the league overall from a national standpoint, and then a sense of how it's, it's one market, but you can extrapolate a bit from this, how NFL teams are doing locally. Um, two big takeaways here, one of which... Our colleague Kurt Badenhausen uh, already reported a bit. The national number, each team got around 345, 346, 347 million dollars from the league in 2021. Not a bad uh, check for everyone to get, given that the, uh, the the salary cap, as we discussed, was in the 180, 190 million dollar range. Um, but the second thing, local revenue for the for Green Bay, 232 million dollars. Scott, that's a record. For the team, it is way higher than it was during the COVID disrupted season of 2020, of course, but but also significantly higher than it had been the year before. I thought this was interesting. Mark Murphy, who, who runs the Packers, said that the, the big takeaway here was a, quote, re- return to normalcy, end quote. And, and for the NFL, as we know, normalcy is like 10% year over year growth on, on, on all the revenue numbers. So uh, in a lot of ways, uh, looking at the Packers financials confirms a lot of the things that we talked about on this show and previously, the NFL's business is humming uh, and moving along at a strong growth rate. Let's discuss for a moment what passes for normal in Green Bay as football fans, <laughs> right? Yeah. Normal, it's no shirts in minus one degree. Zero degree, that, yeah. So that passes for normal. Normal, people like just to be a part of it will go and shovel snow out of the stadium. You know, probably paid a few bucks to go do it, but like there's the chance to touch a piece and be in Lambo. And so normal, let me go shovel snow, do more work than I normally would, like my driveway. Okay. Normal, normal wait list of I don't even know how long. I, you know, I remember I put my focus group of one You're on the list when he was born. Yeah. yeah, I'm on the list. I don't, I don't really, I, I haven't checked, I haven't seen it in a while. Your great grandson. We'll, yeah, uh, next, we'll I can, I'm looking forward to the next postcard I get from the Packers to let me know where I stand. But yeah, like, you know, Jackson, my focus group, focus group, focus group will probably get in to see a game or two as a season ticket holder. And normal, you buy a 
quote unquote stock certificate that gets you absolutely nothing other than that piece of paper. And again, I will not bash it because if there is some sort of emotional high, if people can look at that stock certificate hanging on their their cave wall, that their, their sports bar at home, their office, if they derive serious pleasure out of being a, air quote, owner of the Green Bay Packers and paying money for, air quote, nothing, okay then. But that, that, to me, from a business perspective, like if I'm Mark Murphy and I get to say things are back to normal, where what, there's no capital call for me to make an improvement on my stadium, I just issue more, quote unquote, stock. <laughs> you, you know, this is, this is how they fund all the changes at, at, at Lambeau Field, and they can hold things on new events on off days. And so, so now the stadium is a cash register. That is the normal of Green Bay, which is why we're talking about almost $600 million in revenue and uh, probably one of the best mousetraps we've seen in pro sports. And and they had in the past year, Scott, their sixth stock sale offering. So, so yep. oftentimes when they need to do some kind of new improvement, they, they they're going to do this. They sold, I think, one hundred ninety thousand shares. Uh, they raised over sixty five million dollars to do that. Yeah, I think this is the envy of pretty much every other sports owner. Is is that oh, in, in times of need, when I need money, I either sell a piece of my team, I reach into my own pocket, I do capital calls on my LP investors. Yeah, explain to me why other teams don't do... But why don't other teams do something like this? Now, again, I don't want to go to the SEC. We will make it plain and clear. This is a one-time chance to become the owner of the Uber Limited Edition jacket slash certificate that puts you in the the premium inner circle ring of fans that gets you a meeting with the team owner once a year, whatever. You know, I'm making all of this up. I get it. But if you did that for, say, insert team name here, Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, New England Patriots, how many people do you think would pony up 50, 100, 200? Where do you stop? And how many people would buy it? You could raise some serious capital, build yourself a new wing of the stadium, and uh, and not have to dip into all of those other funding sources you mentioned earlier. Yeah, it's a great question, and we should ask next time we have a sports owner on the show. We should ask about that because, and in some ways, NFTs are are, are kind of opening the door to to some of those exact things. Yep. But you're right; there's a way to do this, something very similar that does not involve stock certificates and, and publicly releasing your annual revenue and, and profit numbers uh, that, that probably could apply to a number of teams. Real quick, Scott, before we move on, for people who are wondering, because we mentioned that the revenue numbers there, profit-wise, in 2021, the Packers made a $77 million profit. That is also a record for the team. The, the, the expenses obviously fluctuate a lot year in, year out. How much are you paying your coach? Do you have buyouts? Does your quarterback need a new contract, et cetera? So, so that number kind of does jump up and down depending on kind of the ebbs and flows of, of natural costs within running an organization. But last year, 2021, the year after the, the major COVID disruption was the most profitable year in history for the Green Bay Packers. Speaking of financial disclosures and payments and expenses going up that maybe you didn't see, WWE, good and bad. Good news, revised financials dating back 
2019. Not, not, not bad, you know, to, to account for, and again, air quotes, the payments that Vince McMahon made. You know, they sh- the, the WWE is saying it should have been under expenses, mm-hmm. but, you know, whether it was um, some misconduct or he was paying people to be quiet about affairs, misconduct, uh, that from the report in the Wall Street Journal. He stepped aside uh, as CEO and chairman about a month ago, and then news last week that he was retiring. Um, so all in all, though, you know, we do have some new Q2 numbers, year-over-year Q2 numbers from the WWE. That's the bad. The good is Steph McMahon, you know, Vince's daughter, can step right in. Nick Khan, co-CEOs, uh, and Q2 look pretty darn good. It's super rare to me when you have a business that has such a prominent leader. Vince is the the majority shareholder. He was the CEO. He was the chairman. He was everything. They used to WWE. say, yeah, in their disclosures, they used to in their Wall Street disclosures, used to say he was such an integral part of the business. It, it's so rare for for that person to to leave, even outside of doing so abruptly or even a mid scandal. It's rare for that to happen and the stock to go up. Um, it, it is really fascinating to me that. That, that happened, Vince. I believe that he he announced that after hours, after closing hours on on Friday, uh, the, the co CEOs confirmed by the board Monday morning before trading. Monday, as we're recording this, the first full day of trading for WWE since all these changes, the stock's up eight um, percent. It is really interesting to me because in if you had told me three months ago that this was going to happen and play out over the course of a weekend and he was going to step aside and there was going to be disclosures about payments he had made in the past and revised expectations, I would have thought the stock would have been plummeting. But uh, it's it's worked out the other way for WWE and its shareholders. So a, a really interesting, I think, result here, um, which maybe says something about the way that investors valued Vince or, or, or maybe the way that they're valuing his daughter and Nick Khan, two, two very capable executives who are going to be rising to the top of the organization. Yeah, a lot of interesting things happening there because it's it, it's on its face shouldn't be all that pretty for WWE. But at least on the business side, it looks like things are okay right now. I will say quick things. Engage fan base, that's not changing. Yeah. And Vince is, is still around. It's not as if, you know, Steph and Nick don't have access to Vince McMahon, the brain uh, behind it and say, hey, what do you do? Bounce some ideas for. And you also mentioned it. You have a You have a good, a, a nicely stocked bench, you know, a, a succession plan that could come together quickly. You have great executives like Nick, like Steph, who can step in. And at least right now, it looks as if there's, there's plenty of confidence they'll get the job done uh, with, without a hitch. So the, the, those are the reasons. All right. Now, quickly, let's end. And I wish we had Mike McCann on because this is easy, but not easy. Right. <laughs> so uh, Penn State here. What's the name of the company that Penn State was uh, is, go- is going brand. against here? All right. So Vintage. this is yeah, this is really about if if a company wants to sell Penn State stuff with the logo on it, with the lion, all that. Are they ripping it off? Or do they are they in the clear that they can use this? And I would have thought prior to this story that it seems pretty clear that no, of course not. They have to get a license and like, yeah, the logo and the name, of course. Not so fast, Mike McCann wrote, and a judge, and by the way, a Penn State law alum judge went the other way. And said it's not this is not the end of the case, not anything, but step one made it at, at least um plausible the argument. That no 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 this you don't really need a license to utilize these marks. 
Yeah, I think this is so interesting. And, and, and we say this often with what Michael writes, but people should read the whole story because you're, you're going to learn from essentially every yeah. sentence in it. But, but if you look at the side-by-sides of Penn State's trademarks and the shirts and pennants, et cetera, that this vintage brand is selling, it is very obvious that they are essentially just copying the Penn State logos. The, and the they're company, not running from fact, that either. Yeah, exactly. The company isn't even trying to hide that fact. What the company is claiming is that the, the, the logos, the, the, the Nittany Lion, all those things are totally ornamental. And it's not to imply to consumers and consumers don't assume that when they see it, the product is made by Penn State. Uh, it's more, so essentially it's more they're about arguing, just saying, I'm a fan of Penn State. Exactly. You're showing your support. They're arguing, they, they countersued Penn State saying that these, the, the, these images and trademarks are in the public domain and they should be able to use more widely. This case has, and, and you're right, this was essentially a, a judge denying a motion to dismiss. So this is not a ruling in the case, at least not yet. But th- this is a company that's being sued by Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, Purdue, UCLA, USC, Utah, Washington, among others, protection of, of of IP and trademarks, particularly around licensing and merchandise, is such a huge part of the way that every professional and college sports team kind of protects its brand and, and insulates its business in some ways. Uh, if this case were to break in some other way, the, the ramifications would be huge. This is the, the the part of what the judge said, which I think resonated with me because I am in this group of people that held this this erroneous thought. He said there's an erroneous belief out there, quote, uh, that no product can bear the name of an entertainer, a cartoon character, or some other famous person unless permission is given first for its use. Uh, that is not, in fact, correct. I think there's a lot of misconception, and again, myself included, this idea that if Penn State has trademarked the specific lion uh, with its lettering or with its name, that that can't be used commercially by someone that doesn't get permission. That's actually not the way that the, the law works out. So something we'll definitely keep an eye on, I'm sure, when this when this case is settled or when there is a ruling on it. Michael uh, McCann will have an update for us, but I, I think there's a lot of people in licensing departments uh, and merchandising departments and marketing departments around the sports world in the past week that, that raised an eyebrow the minute this judge denied this motion to dismiss. Most famous lion, what do we got? And it's Metro Goldwyn Mayer, the, the Roaring Lion, there's the Penn State <laughs> Lion, the Nittany Lion, there's Patience and Fortitude right outside our office across from the library mm-hmm. in New York. Any other lions you want to when you said it, I was thinking Tony the Tiger, which is obviously oh, not Tony a the Tiger. That so counts. That's, yeah. where, that's, where right. I, that's where my brain is right now. But I was with you. I was like, wow, this seems like an, an easy motion to dismiss. Yeah, yeah, of course. It but like a note. When you look at the images, it seems like the most obvious slam dunk trademark infringement case of all time. That's why we follow it. You want to do the out? You were so good at it last week. Some people were asking for more. You want to go the out? Or you want me to? I ha- happy to. Uh, thank you guys for listening. He is Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. I am Eben Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Matt Whitehurst. Shout out to Matt. Cora Veltman, Sportico's digital media editor, wants you to know that you can get the show wherever you download your podcasts. This is the Sportacast in what will soon be, according to Scott, the Sportico Media Network.